Pilate was utterly perplexed by Jesus, and for good reason. According to the hierarchical rules of engagement in the first century, Jesus should not even have been speaking to Pilate. The appropriate response when someone of Pilate's status spoke to a person like Jesus, a subject, and a criminal subject at that, was to keep one's head down and answer as succinctly and submissively as possible. Jesus, however, looked Pilate straight in the eye and without shame or hesitation, not only answered Pilate's questions, but had the audacity to ask questions back in a terrifying, challenging, and dangerous way. What Jesus was doing in his defiance and rebellion was not just simply sticking it to the man and, you know, show, a little show of power. It was instead calling attention to the reality, the real order of things. In our human existence and lives, we just love to make life a competition, don't we? We do, whether we like to admit it or not. We love to order things so that there are winners and losers and people that are just really getting it right and those of us who aren't. And we like to see who has the power and who has the right pedigree. We like to create borders and zip codes that include and exclude. We do all of these things all of the time. Pilate, asking questions about Jesus' royal status, was trying to figure out where exactly this outlaw's power came from. Because it was not obvious. He was very confused. So in doing so, he asked the normal human questions. But Jesus' answers were not normal. He answered the questions with questions, and he resisted playing the human game of who was important and who was not. If you really think about it, the ways that we ascribe respect and importance to people are ridiculous. We take things that are out of a person's hand, like the way that they look, their face and their body that they were born with, how much money and resources they have, what kind of car they drive, the stuff that they own, literally stuff, things. People respect other people because of the things that they have, the faces they were born with, the jobs that they have, citizenship based on where they happen to be born, and notoriety based on circumstances and luck. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Jesus resisted playing Pilate's game, which is the same game that humanity has been playing for millennia, and the same game that is raging in the streets right now today. Show me how you have more value than your neighbor. Tell me how you have a right to something that someone else does not. Tell me how you are important using the rules of engagement. Wealth, status, beauty, happenstance, influence. Jesus answered in this way. I am not from a royal lineage of this world. I have no earthly citizenship. I am from God. 
I am the truth, and I am defined by love. And those that belong to me hear the truth that I proclaim. Your system is bankrupt. The lines you draw are pretend. The scripture this morning makes one think of eight chapters earlier in John, where Jesus spoke of the sheep that could hear and discern his voice, those that belonged to him. And in the first century, kings were often likened to shepherds because their job was to protect their people. Their job was to, to, to create an environment where people were safe and happy and where they were together and where the strong did not devour the weak. So Jesus, as defined, is the shepherd king to a group of people who are sensitive to and engaged in living the truth. He said to Pilate, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And the truth is this, we belong to God. And if we can embrace that, our ears will hear the truth, our mouths will proclaim it, our feet will walk in it, our hands will reach out with it. What makes us important or valuable is not the faces or bodies we were born with, nor the stuff that we have accrued somehow over time or was given to us, or the citizenship that we have, or the successes or failures in our lives. We belong to God. And if we belong to God regardless of these superfluous things, then that means something really disturbing and beautiful is also true. So does everyone, everywhere. I'm a mother of two little girls, as you all know. So I am very aware of the need to have two of everything. Right? I'm really good at dividing up cans of seltzer water perfectly. I am really good at judging a distance um, between two points and dividing it in half so that everyone can have a chance to hold the dog's leash. I am really good at drawing an invisible line down the middle of my minivan to create two autonomous spaces for my daughters. I am used to this. But still, Still, y'all, I cannot wrap my head around the way that adults do this as well. How we are constantly comparing ourselves to others and that we look at the world that is a gift from our God as though it has finite resources, as though there is an us and a them, as though if someone else has something, I do not get it. I don't understand. I often hear folks say that they feel threatened when someone else gets something because they feel like then there's not enough for them. Adults, grown-ups, Christians. And when that mentality is fostered and allowed in the church, Jesus gets domesticated into this demure, thoughtful introvert who smiles a lot and does not challenge or disrupt, but agrees with all of our ideas, an icon, a farce. But the kingdom in which Jesus is king is not like that. 
The borderless kingdom of God is not a finite pie that if we don't get our peace and someone else does, then we're left out. The kingdom of God in which Christ is king is not a power grab. It does not consist of winners and losers. It does not have a hierarchy. Pastors are not more important than newborn babies. Council members are not more integral than, than, um, than ushers or the person who vacuums the, the sanctuary at the end of the week. Children here in our sanctuary are not more worthy of food and safety than those starving to death in Yemen. Everyone has a place of importance and value. Everyone, everywhere, the kingdom of God in which Jesus is king establishes equality where the world differentiates tax codes. The kingdom of God calls everyone beloved when the world turns up his noses at what makes it uncomfortable. The kingdom trusts in the abundance of God while the world locks its doors and hoards its resources. The kingdom has the audacity to hope and love and forgive and try again while the world hardens its hearts and suspicions. And Jesus, the king, will not be domesticated. Jesus is rebellion against the status quo. Jesus is freedom for the oppressed. Jesus is light in the darkness that hides what power wants to keep secret. Jesus is both what terrifies us most and what fills our hearts to overflowing. Both what ends our dreams and gives us something to live for. Christ is king. And when Jesus looked at Pilate in the eye, and told him that he did not get authority from the world, but instead belongs to God. He displayed the way of human power and arbitrary respect and power as a sham. Hear this today. It is a straight-up lie that one person has more importance than any other. We belong to the kingdom in which Christ is king. It does not have borders. Its official language is love, and scarcity and fear have no place here. We get to embrace our belovedness and boldly proclaim the belovedness of the world. And if you are within the sound of my voice and you do not know that you are beloved, hang on. Hang on. You are beloved and beautiful. Don't change a hair on your head. We will change the world instead. Not by the authority of our own, but by the authority of the king of the universe. The authority of one who came to earth to to show us exactly how to be human, embrace the gifts of it, and how to hear and discern the truth about God and each other. We belong to Jesus, and we get to listen to the truth and live in it. As I said at the beginning of the service, today is New Year's Eve on the church calendar. It's the last day of the church year. Christ the King Sunday. Next week is Advent, and we will begin a new year together in God's love and grace. Starting in the darkness, adding light, welcoming the incarnation, and moving forward in Jesus' love. And Burlington Lutheran Church, I have to say, I've never been more excited about the possibilities in a community of faith as I am about what lies before us as a church. I am in awe of your abilities to hear the truth and live in it. 
I am overjoyed by your radical hospitality and welcome. I am humbled by your incredible faith and public witness. I am inspired by your love for each other and for the world. You are the kingdom of God in which Christ is king. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Beautiful Savior. It's hymn number 838, or the words will be on the screen.